So let's go into the raw material. This is the Law of One Session 60. We're now out of the 50s into 60. Uh, received July 1, uh, 1981. 7181. And this is a kind of long session. Uh, a significant amount of it uh, was pulled into Book 5, Personal Commentary from Jim and Carla. Uh, but I'll go over that and not comment too much at length on Jim and Carla's um, writing, but try to stay with Ra more. But they make a lot of important points. It's 32... Uh, exchanges here. Uh, a lot of discussion of pyramids still, and then some esoteric uh, earth history, Atlantis, South America, Moses, the honeycomb nature of the planet, um, Ra's history. So it's a little bit um, all over the place this session, but a lot of interesting points. So Commentary, uh, Law of One, Session 60, begins with commentary from Jim and Carla, which was put into Book 5. And it begins with Jim making uh, long material here, and I'll just read it all. Jim said, The first two questions in this portion of Session 60 touch upon Carla's tendency towards martyrdom in general terms. That is... In the case of the raw contact, Carla's desire to be of service in this contact was strong enough that she would open herself completely to the contact until there was no vital energy left for her own ease of transition back to the waking state. Ra's suggestion in this regard was that if she were to reserve some vital energy, it would be possible that the contact could continue over a longer period of time. Ra recognized that her basic incarnational lesson was to generate as much compassion as possible and was the root of the unreserved opening to the contact. But Ra also suggested that a little addition of wisdom in the reserving uh, of some small amount of vital energy might enhance her service. In fact, he goes on, our entire group was then in the process of exercising more caution regarding the frequency of sessions. We had begun to travel the martyr's path in having sessions too frequently and giving of the self of the instrument, Carla, until there was nothing left. As we continued to hold sessions when she was not in good shape, it was also suggested to us by Ra that overly to stress caution, suggested to us by Ra that overly to stress caution, well, suggested uh, that to stress caution in scheduling sessions further apart and in resting Carla was as deleterious I can't understand the sentence was deleterious to retaining the contact as our martyring behavior was at the beginning of sessions oh boy so okay suggested to us by Ra that to o overly to stress or to overly stress caution in scheduling sessions further apart and in resting, Car Carla was as deleterious to retaining the contact as our martyring behavior was at the beginning of the sessions. Meaning, it's not a good idea to be too cautious and schedule sessions too far apart, nor is it a good idea to uh, have over-frequency or excess uh, frequency uh, or number of sessions. 
in having the sessions, he goes on, in distributing the material to others, and in living the daily life in general, we found that there's a basic kind of dedication to serving others that is helpful. But when that dedication becomes focused on a strong desire that a specific outcome be the result of any effort to serve others, then one is distorting the service with the preconceived with preconceived ideas. Not by, not my will, but thy will, is the attitude offering the most efficient service. And once again, we see the beneficial role that a physical limitation can play in one's incarnation. In this case, Carla's arthritis is seen to be the means by which she pre-incarnatively determined to focus her attention not on the usual activities of the world, but on the inner life, the life of meditation and contemplation, which her physical limitation offered her. This same limitation has also been used to carry out other pre-incarnatively chosen lessons, as mentioned by Ra in the last two responses. Such pre-incarnatively chosen limitations confound many healers who have the opinion that no disease is ever necessary. However, it seems that some people choose lessons that will utilize the entire incarnation, and not just a portion of it, Thus, the distortions needed to present the opportunities for these kinds of lessons are not meant to yield to healing efforts. So there are a lot of important principles here. Um, the first is that it's not a good idea to have too many sessions, nor to rest too much. Martyrdom, raw considered love over wisdom, or love with deficient wisdom, or excess love deficient wisdom um, is not a good idea, <laughs> but uh, one can get into fourth density positive or harvestability or significant in polarization, positive polarization by some degree of martyrdom. For a person who's trying to move into, you know, harvestability or a person who's trying to make the grade to graduate to fourth density positive, uh, martyrdom representing total uh, offering of self, sacrificing of physical body for the beloved um, may be sufficient or may be seen as um, very, very significantly polarizing on the positive path. But for the person who, the sixth density soul wanderer or anybody who's trying to balance love and wisdom who already has significant commitment to love or service to other the work is balancing love and wisdom. That's the higher work. And in that case, martyrdom is an imbalance. So, um, for the person who hasn't developed fourth ray love, um, sincere martyrdom or, or total self-offering may uh, be associated with that development of green ray. For the person who's already developed green ray somewhat, or pretty well, the greater work is the balance of love and wisdom, or not operating out of love only, which can lead to martyrdom, but balancing that desire to say yes, yes, yes to everything, to give and give and give and give, never ending. That's what love is really about, actually. To balance that with wisdom, which says, uh, wait a minute, maybe uh, I should say no sometimes, or it's not a good idea that I um, give 100% because I will die soon or be impoverished, uh, or 
um, you will not benefit if I do that. So, you know, to develop love, martyrdom can be a quite important um, development of, of character metaphysically and have important metaphysical result. And for the one who already has developed green ray somewhat, uh, martyrdom is an imbalance that holds one back. And so uh, there's secondly the point that, uh, yeah, dedication to serving others is helpful. It's certainly uh, a necessary aspect of the positive path. However, it's um, more Western-oriented in the sense that, <clears throat> I mean, Gautama, Buddha, and uh, the, the yogic path uh, presented in India, they're not uh, necessarily focusing on service to other. Karma yoga in Hinduism, or seva, S-E-V-A, which means service, as Ram Das presented, are surely principles uh, of, you know, of the spiritual path from Hinduism. Not Buddhism. However, Buddhism is very, <laughs> certainly centered in compassion, wisdom and compassion. But the basic idea from those more adept, adept-associated trainings, Eastern mysticism, Buddhism, Hinduism mainly, is that if you take really good care of yourself, um, inevitably you'll take really good care of others. Because uh, taking good, really good care of oneself means, um, you know, is based in morality. And that means harmlessness. Because um, harmfulness primarily hurts me. And uh, being goodly to others is a natural outgrowth of taking good care of oneself. Uh, but, Don, uh, Jim adds, when the dedication of service becomes focused on this strong desire that a specific outcome be the result of any effort to serve, that's called um, attachment to the fruits of one's service. Then one distors, distorts the service. It, it is distorted. <laughs> It is actually an infringement on free will uh, to expect a specific result or demand specific result in one's offering or uh, activity of service. Not my will, but thy will, again, is a, a, a some more Western Christian God-centered uh, personalistic view of uh, non-infringement. Uh, one doesn't need to add deity into that, but simply acknowledge the primacy of respect for free will. I give you what I can because it's right for me that I do. And you do with it what you may, uh, and I will not interfere with that because it's wrong for me and it's bad for me to interfere with you. It's bad for me to infringe. That's bad for me and bad for you. Um, I might do something for you that's bad for me. Meaning, I might offer more than I'm comfortable if I feel by wisdom that it's the right way to go. Do the right thing. Sometimes means do that which is of benefit to the other and hurts. And we don't like it. But it may be the right thing from a, you know, impartial wisdom assessment. But uh, I really don't want to do something to help you that hurts you. Because <laughs> that won't help you, it'll hurt you. 
<clears throat> and infringing on your will, which is a uh, uh, the principle or an, you know what's underlying um, expecting or demanding specific outcome from service. That's infringement that hurts you, because it basically is a form of control. And so, uh, not my will, but thy will is a, is a kind of surrendering of outcome and the fruit of service or labor or offering to be as it will be and non-control. It's a form of ahimsa, non-control. God or not God, it's um, uh, respecting the principle of uh, non-infringement and respect for free will. And so that's just the way higher teachers are too. They don't, they'll tell you, you know, Gautama was a way-shower, not a uh, human controller. He showed the way, and it's up to each person to take it or not, just like Morpheus in the Matrix. So then also another essential principle is the beneficial role that physical limitation can play in incarnation. Jim uses the example of Carla's arthritis. Yes, it was a pre-incarnative program catalyst. Yes, it's a form of physical limitation, um, an example uh, of which, you know, of a case that most people have. We all have certain limitations. There are certain people that, that uh, you know, would rather not be born into the gender body they're in. Um, but that was chosen before birth for certain reasons. Not one reason, many reasons. Uh, but the value of what we may not like, which would be physical or mental or other forms of pre of limit of incarnational limitations, right? Incarnations of body condition, which may even be gender, or you know a limp, or whatever, or even body uh, form and shape that we may not like, uh, and limitations such as uh, the parents that we're born to, or family, or economic status, or class, or opportunities, or lack of opportunities, um, and many, many others. These forms of pre-incarnative or program catalyst that are what, what I would call limiting catalyst or challenging catalyst are uh, for the purpose to um, assist us in the learning of some pre-incarnatively determined lessons, the lessons are not, uh, you know, multiple choice, like uh, give me the right answer and uh, go to the next question. They're lessons of um, attitude adjustment or, you know, mind transformation, uh, changes in perspective, Changes in uh, habit, um, balancing for sure, or strengthening, or de-emphasizing. Uh, there are changes in mind and consciousness and uh, patterns of thinking and feeling and acting. Uh, and those uh, changes are actually... Um, indicated by what would be needed to uh, resolve the problem. So what Carla needed to do to work with her arthritis, which couldn't be healed by a healer, was to, to live within the, the limits. 
which meant, uh, Jim had talked about here, is uh, focus her attention on the inner life, life of meditation and contemplation. She, by that arthritic pre-incarnate, by the arthritic condition, as program catalyst, pre-incarnatively chosen for various purposes, uh, by its uh, unhealability and presence in her life, uh, to live within its requirements, she had to limit her physical activity, uh, and that led to, you know, the resolution <laughs> was a uh, uh, transformed focus of her attention to the inner that didn't pertain to using her body in, in physical action, but using her mind and heart and consciousness uh, on uh, that which doesn't require great physical action like meditation and contemplation, or writing letters and responding to emails. She did massive email responding to people. Thousands and thousands and thousands of emails, I believe, she responded to in her life. And so, um, it's very right that Jim says that um, these, this type of pre-incarnative chosen limitation um, is uh, confusing and upsetting to uh, New Agey healers, who have some view that every condition can be healed and that perfect well-being and health equals no physical limitations um, for an incarnation. That's true for somebody who doesn't need them. But for all of us, um, we have imbalances um, that may... Um, that, that we may correct and balance by way of a incarnational long uh, physical limitation or illness or body condition that is either painful or limiting um, that we don't want that can't be healed that is um, is is in place for the whole incarnation and will not be healed um, and that includes all sorts of things like um, lovely men and women who will never find their soulmate before they die. You will die before you find your perfect soulmate in this incarnation. That is the case for most people, actually. And and we should go through the grieving, but, um, you know, this too shall pass. And um, it's, uh, it's a training. It's a training. Uh, to make, you know, to accept the unacceptable, as 2150 wrote the book 2150 the measure of a mind's evolution is its ability to accept the unacceptable accepting what we hate or accepting and understanding what runs counter to our preferences that we be that we are in this case unable to change for the whole incarnation is a training a training in making peace with and the making peace with requires certain changes in attitude and perspective in thinking feeling and action and and belief even can i be well um with myself can i love myself with my with my disability and disfigurement can i find happiness without a soulmate can i be well um being you know being unable to um you know to fulfill the requests for my outer service because i have to stay home because of the arthritis or something uh, making peace with the limitations um, 
truly, deeply, <laughs> very significantly, is the process of mind adjustment uh, transformation for which the for which that limitation was chosen before birth. So Carla goes on and explains her side of it, which is important. She said, It may seem as though I have had a life ruled by disease and limitation. In actuality, that just isn't so. At one time, when Donald had died, and this is after 84, and I had not yet fully decided to survive him, my condition worsened to the point where I had to stay horizontal all the time. But even then I was able to make letter tapes and to channel till the very end of that dark period, the month or so before going to the hospital in January 1992. And I can honestly say that even in that ex extremity I wanted to stay. Today, I simply do not think very much about my aches and pains and I don't think other people notice anything out of the ordinary about me. I don't appear ill and do not act that way either, so people just assume I'm healthy. Having done everything I could to better my condition and failed to make any dent by any means, I have concluded that the symptoms of pain which I experience are not signal but noise. This is the basic pain management theory I learned in rehab that fateful year of 1992, Something that has no message is a useless thing, no matter how irritating. I was riding one of these electric buggies airline employees use to transport the elderly and feeble, and remarked on the constant bee-baw, 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 uh, as the cart wended its way through the pedestrian traffic in the huge corridor. That was at the airport, and that was the sound. The driver said she didn't even notice it anymore. She was so used to it. Exactly. I don't do this perfectly. I complain at least daily to my mate, Jim, who has identified listening to the daily report as a service to the weary. It really helps to gripe a bit, as long as the griper doesn't take it too seriously. This is not easy, or I know this is not easy, <clears throat> and I spent months during that period thinking that I might not make the cut. It is difficult to face pain especially ancient blade-keen pain that is crippled, and to work through the crystallizations that kept the arms down and the back separated from the neck. What saved me was love. I have a real passion for cooking. I love to play with tastes to mixed herbs and spices and all the kinds of food there are. The fact that the result of this playtime is meals that people enjoy is icing on the cake. I'd been banned from the kitchen 12 years ago. After thorough testing to be sure I would not harm my condition, I was okay to take up cooking again. I love being in the kitchen to the point where I would just hang on to the stove and cook long past the point where I would have given up if I'd just been sitting or standing or doing nothing. And then there was the love I had for Jesus. I promised him that I would get better and give praise and thanksgiving and glory to his holy name, which I do, frequently. Between the two, a miracle occurred for me, given by love, to love, for love's sake. And I pray to be able to share my story of being a wanderer and one who wishes to serve with all those who are awakening to their spiritual identity at this time. <clears throat> yes, I am still limited by my physical restrictions. I have spent literally years refining a schedule that I can live with, that has the most things in it that I want in my life, 
without overstressing my frail body. At this point, Jim and I have had Jim and I have things worked out very well, and I've been fortunate to escape difficulty this last year or so. It is a first. I just take things at the speed I know is safe for me. Needless to say, when this contact was ongoing, I had no such concept of caution. I adored Don. He wanted this contact more than anything I'd ever seen him go after. During this time, he was actually a happy man. These were golden moments for me. I had had but one goal for a long time, from 1968 onwards, and that was to make a real home, both physical and metaphysical, for Don. I knew he was comforted by being with me, so I felt I always helped, but this state he was in was unique. Here was my star-crossed love, peaceful and completely satisfied with his life for the first time, and only time, first and only time I ever saw. I couldn't wait to do the next session, so just so I could wake up to see him grinning with delight. It's fairly easy to see from the questions he was asking that Don felt my best chance for healing lay in mental work along the lines of his Church of Christ Scientist Mother's Faith. It was a Church of Christ Scientist Mother's Faith. He was accustomed, when a family member got a cold or illness, to calling the practitioner, who would spend time in prayer and meditation, affirming the perfection of whatever seemed to be imperfect. This method of thinking is extremely valuable, and I do want to give credit to this marvelous practice of affirming perfection, for that is the overriding truth. Behind all of this seeming imperfection, there is utter perfection beyond telling or measure. I have sensed and felt it, but I've never been able to bring back words. However, I believe those experiences to be true. As to the idea of my pre-incarnatively choosing the limitations and the lesson of loving without expectation of a return, both of these topics had been covered in the past life regression done by Larry Allison in 1975, and I felt sure that this was the case. It rang true with, a depth, with that depth of resonance I have come to associate with personal truth. I felt and feel fortunate to be alive, and if I have to pay some dues, that's okay. I'm glad to be at the party. When I do die to this world, I hope that I will be satisfied I've done all I can, and I don't feel that way yet. One thing I know I still have ahead is to write some sort of witness to those truths, these truths that have been shared with me at dear cost. When I have written all I know about the devotional life lived in the midst of it all, then I will be fairly satisfied that I've served my part, but we never really know what the sum of service is, do we? I don't, preserve, I don't presume to know that I know all that is slated for me to experience and am satisfied to let it surprise me. Okay, that's Carla's uh, process. Um, she's saying a life ruled by disease and limitation. I think there's a lot of pain in her life, <laughs> in her mind. She's had a lot of pain, or she had a very painful incarnation, even though she helped thousands and thousands of people and, um, you know, <laughs> uh, the raw material would not be uh, available on Earth without her, uh, certainly without Don and Jim, too, but also without her, it wouldn't be. Uh, so her service has been spectacular, um, but she um, didn't, didn't heal some love, I would, some, some 
low sense of, of inadequacy, it seems to me, so I don't want to psychoanalyze, but um, <laughs> she certainly did maximal service, and I can, you know, the, the martyrdom tendency, um, in, in many cases, to me, uh, as somebody psychologically minded, uh, in my limited understanding, uh, martyrdom tendency is associated with um, an unhealed uh, assumption of one's um, moral or ontological inferiority or, or in inadequacy, really. A sense that I'm morally inadequate, I've not good, I'm not good enough, I'm ontologically inadequate, or my being, what I am, is not enough. It's actually a conflation of one's being with one's doing. And Ra talked about the later in the sessions or somewhere, Ra talked about for Carla the need to move from self-valuation um, valued by action versus self-valuation in S, E-S-S-E, -S -S -E, meaning uh, associated with her essence. Um, Self-worth uh, based in awareness of my essence versus self-worth based on calculation of my moral value uh, associated with my doing uh, of quantity and quality in giving to others in, in time and space. <clears throat> and so, um, you know, in Buddhism or ageless wisdom, they talk about uh, study, meditation, and service. Um, in Buddhism, meditation is non-dual. And it's not associated with seeking or asking. It's associated with um, re uh, letting go of grasping of mind, uh, letting go of thoughts and feelings, seeing them, and going back to the breath, as an example of uh, mindfulness, sati. Uh, that kind of um, appreciation, moving to concentration and samadhi, is very depersonalizing in the sense that there is a cessation or ending of continual self-checking. How am I doing? How am I feeling? Am I good enough? Am I not good enough? Is it the right action? Is it not quite the right action? Dropping it. Dropping the mental chatter or um, detaching from the continual self-referentiality. And if meditation doesn't lead to that, then um, one's understanding of service become, remains very dualistic, me and you, um, action and consequence, or degree of uh, service and um, you know, checking all con and assessment based on consequence, meaning um, she's intensely self-critical, <laughs> it looks to me. But whatever, she at some point came to realize that the pain that she went through. So this is a you know a person who was in physical pain all her life. If you're in physical pain all your life, and I'm sure she understates it here. You know, <clears throat> at some point she didn't want to survive Don. She wanted to die. Understandably, if you're in physical pain all your life, so I would assume, not assume, but I would propose maybe Carla was in physical pain all her life. So that explains a lot, actually, in terms of um, some frustration here, or bitterness, um, or pain, pained discourse, in my view. Uh, she's saying, you know, she complains at least daily. Uh, she probably needed to complain more, <laughs> and probably needed to gripe more, 
uh, and probably needed to grieve more. Maybe she did a lot, I don't know. But she had a lot of pain all her life. <clears throat> and if you're living in physical pain and on everything you do doesn't really help it, um, it's, very, it's very difficult to be well, mentally, spiritually, in physical pain daily. So, uh, meanwhile, she's intently uh, high, uh, of over-expectations for herself, meaning uh, she's thinking uh, she may not make the cut. Make the cut what? Could be good enough to be serving adequately, to value herself adequate as, as adequate? Make the cut meaning that she's not good enough. I think she <laughs> she's surely good enough, not only in S, but also in her action, but it's complicated. Anyway, um, she goes on. She's still restrained, limited by physical restrictions. But but now she's saying she's taking things at the speed uh, she knows is safe for me. Why should one never? Why should why shouldn't one always do that? <laughs> why should one ever not take things at speeds that are unsafe for one? Why should one ever be unsafe? Well. Perhaps her notion of service to other uh, was profoundly martyr-oriented and personal safety was not considered relevant in the uh, spirit of self-offering unconditional service. She's saying that she had no such concept of caution. It's not just caution, it's called wisdom. I mean, if I'm going to help you while I hurt myself... Uh, it seems that that's just basically wrong action. But um, her love is, you know, magnificent. And um, if you see the pictures of her in the book, uh, the first volume for pictures from the early 80s, she looks like an angel to me. She's beautiful, super beautiful. That That's beauty, her face when she was, to me, you know, in those pictures in the first volume. That's real spiritual beauty which very, very few people have or show on earth, I think. Anyway, um, they did their best to help her, but the real point is that she was in physical pain all her life, it seems, and she had a real hard time slowing down and living within those limitations, I believe, because then she would um, have to face uh, the pain of a deep self-criticism and a sense of inadequacy, inadequacy or insufficiency that um, needed to be loved to dissolution, but perhaps wasn't. She's saying even then at the end, uh, when I've written all I know about the devotional life lived in the midst of it all, then I will be fairly satisfied that I have served my part. You know, and this is um, sort of the attitude where wanderers wander, some sense that um, I must give and give and give physically, tangibly, materially, energetically, um, in in the world of of word and pen and ink and uh, sound and light <laughs> and matter and energy. That I think at some point gets transformed by a sense that um, um, freedom is the greatest service. Um, live, uh, you know, move to moksha, move to liberation, and that is universal service. Because one then becomes a, a transparent crystal, and the logo shines forth for all.
<laughs> wordlessly, soundlessly, uh, uh, with no physical deed needed. Anyway, <laughs> we got to get into the raw presentation. 60.0 in brackets. I am raw. I greet you in the love and in the light of the one infinite creator. We communicate now. Uh, Don asks, could you first give me an indication of the instrument's condition? Ra says it is as previously stated. Don goes on, it's my opinion that the best way for the instrument to improve her condition is through periods of meditation followed by periods of contemplation with respect to the condition and its improvement. Could you tell me if I'm correct and expand on my thinking? And... Um, Ra answers, meditation and contemplation are never untoward activities. However, this activity will in all probability, in our opinion, not significantly alter the predispositions of this instrument, which cause the fundamental distortions which we, as well as you, have found disconcerting. So meditation and contemplation are not the same. It depends on how you want to define these things, you know. Uh, when I say meditation and contemplation are not the same, and you may say, well, what is meditation? What is contemplation? And I'll say, well, this is my definition. Another person will have another definition. <laughs> and so uh, meditation, in my understanding, and in uh, harmony with Ra to some extent, there are two forms. One is the concentrative leading to quieting mind that... Um, gives a base of silence from which to listen to the Creator, or uh, quietude in mind, equanimity, uh, by which one can know the deep mind, or know anything more fully. But in Buddhism is also the base from, that samadhi is the base from which one may develop prajna, wisdom, meaning insight actually, into the nature of Anicca Nata Dukkha, <clears throat> impermanence, insubstantiality, and dissatisfactoriness, and so on. Meditation may also be visualization type, and may be used for white magic and world service. Contemplation is more uh, thought-based, um, dualistic in the sense of um, reflecting on particular spiritual principles, or God, or an issue. Um, etc., and so on. These are just, you know, small definitions. Anyway, they're never untoward, or they're never unseemly. They're always helpful, yes, actually, and they're not the same, and there are many forms, but they're always helpful. However, Ross says that more probably uh, meditation and contemplation won't alter Carla's predispositions, which is really the pre-incarnative etheric and genetic conditions that, uh, that create the arthritic limitation. The arthritic condition and many other conditions of her body and all of our genetic um, predispositions that we consider to be limiting bodily conditions uh, are not necessarily going to be healed or changed by meditation and contemplation. However, one in meditation and contemplation can come to a much fuller understanding of of why we have those uh, predisposing uh, karmic catalyst limitations of body and mind or whatever, or life. We can understand what, what they are. We can understand why we have them and how best to handle them. And by 
handling them well, we'll actually be making the mind adjustments that equals the learning of those lessons. <laughs> learning the lessons equals making peace with in all of its quality, which means understanding and acceptance, and um, learning to live with what can't be changed and learning to change what can be changed, and uh, making the necessary or um, critical um, changes in perspective and attitude, like, oh, maybe it's okay uh, to stay home and not uh, go out um, in physical activity, service to other, maybe uh, I can do comparable service to other staying home, in Carla's case. Um, perhaps uh, limiting my physical movement um, isn't a problem at all. If I find, if I direct my attention to what's valuable um, as the body is not, uh, you know, coming and going, <laughs> staying home or inward focus can still be very satisfying and still be of great service to the world. So, but it's important to realize that uh, we may, meditation and contemplation may lead us to a deeper understanding and acceptance of the condition and its purposes and its value and how to handle it and what's the needed adjustment. But it may not eliminate the physical or genetic conditions that are painful or limiting. Um, and Ra saying that they find it disconcerting. Excuse me, also... Then, 63, can you tell me the best approach for altering to a more acceptable condition the distortions that the, the instrument is experiencing? So many times he goes around the same point because he's trying to say, how can we get rid of these problems or make things better? But there's not that much that can be do done uh, to physically alleviate, it seemed. And Ra explains 60.3, there is some small amount of work which the instrument may do concerning its pre-incarnative decisions regarding service to the infant creator in this experience. However, the decision to open without reservation to the offering of self when service is perceived is such a fundamental choice that it is not open to significant alteration, nor would we wish to interfere with the balancing process which is taking place with this particular entity. The wisdom and compassion being so balanced by this recapitulation of fourth density, uh, interesting point, is helpful to this particular mind-body-spirit complex. It is not an entity, Carla, much given to quibbling with the purity with which it carries out that which it feels it is best to do. We may say this due to the instrument's knowledge of itself, which is clear upon this point. However, this very discussion may give rise to a slightly less fully unstopped dedication in service, dedication to service in any one working, so that this service may be continued over a greater period of your space-time. Uh, is it me, or does this seem to be extremely complex uh, writing and speaking in this session? <laughs> it seems to me that there's a lot of complexity here. I wouldn't say tangle, but... Um, Profound, a high degree of detail in everybody's discussion here, Jim and Carla and Ra. It just shows you how, it shows me how complicated 
psychology is, human psychology and the structure of distortions and mind tendencies, to really understand um, you know, the, principle, the principles behind programmed catalyst, particularly body, mind, limiting, pro incarnation long programmed catalyst for the purpose of triggering us or stimulating us to make certain psychological, attitudinal, spiritual changes in mind and life to make certain subtle balancing. It's a very complicated subject. <laughs> it's hard to explain. Uh, Don again wants to know how can we alter the distortions she's experiencing and Ra's basically saying you can't alter the genetics she chose for her body and therefore the basis of the physical limitations of pain. She, there is some small work he can, she can do concerning pre-incarnative decisions because it's all, this is, she's experiencing the consequences of pre-incarnative decisions. And they're decisions that relate to her understanding of service. Um, they're also related to her uh, sense of self and self-worth. They're also related to the balancing of love and wisdom. Uh, now, Ra is saying that the decision, there is something she can do, some work concerning or related to, you know, understanding, I think, the basis for these conditions. Uh, but, Ra goes on, this decision or the decision in general to open without reservation to the offering of self when service is perceived meaning um, the whole matter of self-offering in service is for her, or even metaphysically, in, in understanding of cosmic plan, or the principle, you know, the, the key work of soul evolution on the positive path in cosmic plan, right? Service is critical. Service to others is critical, but one's understanding of that service keeps expanding and developing as one continues on the path and becomes increasingly non-dual. But uh, this, the, the, the issue of self-offering, self opening without reservation to the offering of self, opening to offering of self or offering of self um, in response to the perception of an opportunity to be of service is fundamental. It's, it's the way, you know, it's, it's a foundation of the positive path, not open to significant alteration, it's uh, this, what she's going through is associated with her own soul balancing process, love, wisdom, balancing, um, doing versus being, or um, action versus um, radiation, you know, physical material action versus um, uh, essential uh, radiatory uh, expression. There's very subtle balances going on. Anyway, it's so it's so essential. Ra doesn't really want to kind of <clears throat> push her around on it. Um, in some ways, Ra gives a, gives away the secret here that this this is um, a re recapitulation of fourth density for her. And it may be that when she was in fourth density, she was a wanderer on a third density plan planet, perhaps, and uh, gave her up gave herself up to martyrdom even a few times. There are people who are attached to martyrdom attached to, you know, take my body, take my life, um, I love it, 
you know, burn me in the fire and uh, use me and take me so that I may benefit the other and um, uh, does this in a, in a sort of uh, even um, self, self-rejecting way. Self-rejecting in the sense of, um, I don't care about myself, I only care about you or the work, and therefore I don't want to care about myself. That's low. I only want to offer myself 100% and die doing it. I want to die giving myself to the work. I want to die <laughs> giving myself to you, to the work, to service, to the cause. Now it may be that, that this, the part of the basis for her in choosing a, a, a lifetime of physical pain was a recapitulation of fourth density. Now, fourth density is the development of love. But this looks like a balancing of love with wisdom. But we can also say that there was perhaps inadequate self-love, meaning greater love of other, inadequate love of self, uh, great wisdom in service to other, but not great wisdom in um, self-love. Anyway, um, she uh, has a strong will and felt that this was you know, what she needed to do. But um, what Ra was encouraging here is a slightly less fully unstopped dedication <laughs> to service the service than anyone working or uh, in her martyrdom self-offering. Slightly less fully unstopped. Funny. Meaning uh, her natural way is fully unstopped or total, you know? Burn me up. Burn me up in the, in the self-offering you know, burn me in the pyre of, of self-offering. And Ra's saying, uh, a little bit less fully unstopped would be better <laughs> in how long you're doing one working or in how she uh, offers herself in daily life and service to all. So, uh, <laughs> there's more to say, but let's go on. 60.4, you're saying then that the physical distortions that the instrument experienced, Carla, are part of a balancing process. This is correct. Ross said this is incorrect. <clears throat> and here we get very subtle. Ross said this is incorrect. The physical distortions are a result of the instruments not fully, not fully, not accepting fully the limitations placed prior to incarnation upon the activities of the entity once it had begun the working. The distortions caused by this working which are inevitable given the plan chosen by this entity, are limitation, and to a degree consonant with the amount of vital and physical energy expended, weariness due to that which is the equivalent in this instrument of many, many hours of harsh physical labor. This is why we suggested the instrument's thoughts dwelling upon the possibility of its struggling, of its, <laughs> of its suggesting to its higher self the possibility of some slight reservation of energy at a working. This instrument at this time is quite open until all resources are quite exhausted. This is well if desired, however it will, shall we say, shorten the number of workings in what you may call the long run. So it's very subtle and subtle, complicated here. 
to some extent, it seems that the physical distortion she was going through, it's are not um, are not not required for balancing. But in this case, because she went, she had many physical issues. So, <laughs> which ones are we talking about? Uh, I don't know. There's arthritis. There's pain. There's aches. There's all sorts of stuff. But whatever Ra is discussing or Don's, Don's uh, focused on here, these physical distortions are the result of her not accepting the limitations of her body that came from the pre-incarnative, uh, dis- pre-incarnative choice uh, of uh, body conditions that would limit her activity. And so the limitations placed prior to incarnation upon her activities once she'd begun the working. So before she was born in her physical body, it was known that she would do this working with Jim and Don. It was known that she had a martyrdom tendency. It was known that uh, it wasn't helpful for her own long-term balancing of love wisdom and development of love wisdom to, um, recapit- you know, to continue with these excessive martyrdom tendencies. Therefore, she gave herself certain body limitations, which if she accepted, she wouldn't have had uh, all the physical distortions that she had. So at some level, it's because she didn't accept those, she didn't work within her limits. She didn't, um, you know, uh, care for her body and her mind condition, but threw herself into many, many hours of harsh physical labor. I mean, that's, that's like normal, right? If you can only work for three hours, but you put yourself to work for eight hours, you will get sick when you get home, if you can even make it home. You know, you will hurt yourself. So, this is to me a little bit self-punishing, frankly. And um, the distortions caused by the working are inevitable, given the plan, her plan, you know, the plan was for limiting was for conditions that set limits in terms of body activity. Had she followed the plan or uh, not pushed the limits, some physical pain and aches and other issues uh, wouldn't have occurred. But um, if, if, you know, if if you live within your limitations, you won't have further problems. But you'll be have to live with those limitations. Uh, it's like uh, the guy who's a you know Olympian athlete when he's in his twenties and he goes out and I have a friend this way, <laughs> and he you know he goes out and runs for 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 fifteen miles. Okay, I'll go and run for fifteen miles. See you later, dear. Um, he can do that, no problem in his twenties, thirties, even forties, I think. But in his sixties, he can't. Um, and that's, you know, just the body limitation of aging. If the person lives within that and says, okay, I'm going to run two miles now, not 15, they, they won't be uh, ill, or that'll be okay. But if they don't respect the limitation and, and break it, then they'll suffer, and then there'll be uh, symptoms. And I think that's what Ra's talking about here. And so um this is so deep within her spiritually or deep mind it's such a strong tendency that she Ross talking about suggesting to her higher self <laughs> because she's working from higher self the possibility of some slight reservation of energy 
So Carla, you know, <laughs> uh, gets a 10 for a 10 in terms of self-offering. Um, but self-offering, 10 for 10, um, is not 10 for 10 in the balancing of love and wisdom. Uh, particularly in this case, she hurt herself. And um, uh, unfortunately, she lived all her life with very, with basically, you know, increasingly, um, increasing physical limitation. Was that her plan? Uh, or was that the result of not following her plan? The plan to abide by the limitations and uh, thus uh, not push herself uh, past what the body uh, could take? I don't know. I don't think that she incarnatively planned um, to to be bedridden. <clears throat> Some people do, but I don't think she did. But it seems to me that perhaps um, she didn't. Um, she didn't learn. I know some people who love Carla uh, get upset if I criticize her or say that she's not uh, a Buddha, but she's not, and I'm not. <laughs> she has distortions, and so do I, <clears throat> and so do you. So. Uh, anyway, uh, she basically was okay to give herself totally to the point of, um, harming her body, uh, irretrievably, you know, irredeemably. 60.5, Don asked further, this is, we're gonna, this whole session today is going to be on the personal material. Hopefully I can finish it, maybe. Don asks, will spreading the working out, workings out over greater intervals of time so we have more time between workings help? Ra said, this you have already done. It's not helpful to your group to become unbalanced by concern for one portion of the work above another. If this instrument is, in your judgment, capable, and if the support group is functioning well, if all is harmonious, and if the questions to be asked have been considered well, the working is well begun. To overly stress the condition of the instrument is as deleterious to the efficiency of this contact as the antithetical behavior was in your past. <laughs> so, it's not helpful for groups to unbalance themselves by excessive concern for one person, nor excessive concern for one aspect of what they're doing over other aspects that are important. Uh, it's not well to overly stress um, her well-being if she's taking good care of herself or working within limits uh, and neglect and overemphasis are both harmful neglect, you know, so it's neither, neither grasping nor aversion <laughs> neither uh, cherished uh, enmeshed uh, attachment grasping nor neglectful, um, separative, rejection, uh, aversion. <laughs> Neither clinging nor uh, rejecting. Uh, one is with what is. Or keeps the, the mind of balance. 60.6, .6, aside from the workings, I'm concerned about the physical distortions of the instrument in the area of hands and arms. Is there a, shall we say, mental exercise or something that the instrument could work on to help to alleviate the extreme problems she has at this time with her hands. Ross said, yeah. Don follows up, would this be an exercise of meditation and contemplation upon the alleviation of the problems? Ross said, no. What would she do then to alleviate these problems? 
And here we get a very important answer. Um, Ra answers at 68, as we have said, this instrument, feeling that it lacked compassion to balance wisdom, chose an incarnative experience whereby it was of necessity placed in situations of accepting self in the absence of other self's acceptance and the acceptance of other self without expecting a return or energy transfer. This is not an easy program for incarnation, but was deemed proper by the entity. This entity, therefore, must needs meditate and consciously moment by moment accept the self in its limitations, which have been placed for the very purpose of bringing this entity to the precise tuning we are using. Further, having learned to radiate acceptance and love without expecting return, this entity now must balance this by learning to accept the gifts of love and acceptance of others, which the instrument feels some discomfort in accepting. These two balanced workings will aid this entity in the release from the distortion called pain. The limitations are to a great extent fixed. The limitations meaning the genetic predispositions. So, this is... um, kind of uh, revelatory or very, <laughs> very um, much uh, pulling the veil out, taking, taking the veil away from the deeper, um, the deeper considerations for which Carla programmed genetic predisposing limitations. She felt that she lacked compassion to balance wisdom. Now, she seems pretty damn compassionate, but what about compassion for self? What about unconditional self-love associated with um, self-value in S rather than self-value in performance or quantity of of service and deed? That is a lack of compassion. The lack of compassion of self-love or unconditional um, appreciation for the self regardless of one's activity. Anyway, feeling she lacked, it lacked, compassion to balance wisdom, chose incarnative experience by necessity, where by necessity she was put into situations or she had situations um, where she needed she she would need to accept herself in the absence of others acceptance meaning if you hate me can i love myself if my parents don't like me can i love myself if my spouse and my friends if the world doesn't like me doesn't accept me can i accept myself can i stand alone can i love myself in the face of your hate if i love you and think I need you? Can I um, accept myself in the face of others' non-acceptance? So, chose incarnative experience, which is the pre, you know, the, the program catalyst, the program catalyst of relationships, of particular relations, or relations with particular minded people who couldn't accept her, where the situations involved the challenge to accept herself in the condition or relational condition of no the absence of other selves acceptance, meaning they didn't accept her, where and uh, accepting the other self without expecting return or energy transfer, meaning can you give without accepting, uh, without expecting return. So there are two harsh lessons here, or two challenges. Can I accept myself when those that I love or think I should love, or love because I think I need, don't accept me, and can I accept you when you give me nothing and I give you much? Um, 
of course, one may ask, why should I keep giving the one that, that doesn't accept me, doesn't love me, and doesn't appreciate me? Well, maybe that would be a greater tuning to realize that um, there's a little folly in loving and giving to others who uh, don't accept, don't appreciate, don't, um, don't really uh, care for me, despite my great self-offering. This is not an easy program, but it was deemed proper. She needs to meditate and moment by moment accept the self in its limitations, her body limitations, and, you know, maybe the limitation of a family. I don't know her family situation, but, or friends or something. I guess family, maybe, um, where the limitations include not being, um, you know, being with those who can't accept her or can't offer in uh, in response to her great self-offering. Can she accept herself in the absence of their acceptance of her? Can she accept them um, and not expect anything back? Um, you know, so, so she's accepting them or she's giving to them partly expecting return. And that's always going to be a problem. Um, that's the whole problem with... Um, you know, this whole notion of service in general, which is people normally uh, want something back. You know, the only person who can do great service is the one who needs nothing from anyone, seems to me. The great teacher needs no student, and the great server needs nothing. The great server is, is complete. Anyway, um, Ross saying that she needs to accept her limit, the limitations which she placed upon herself. To bring her to the precise tuning we're using, which is, um, you know, Ra's vibration, what, 6.6? Something like that. So that's the very fine balancing tuning or vibratory level or level of consciousness that uh, she was seeking by this challenging catalyst. Um, and then she would need to learn to radiate, radiate, right? Not physically do, but radiate acceptance and love without expecting return. And that's the difference between radiatory service versus um, physical, uh, tangible service. Substantial, tangible, you know, physically substantial, tangible service is not radiatory, it's uh, physical uh, behavioral. In that, there's normally expectation of return. But in the radiatory offering, Radi radiating acceptance and love. Love and acceptance is the same. It's green ray radiation. Um, that's much less likely to um, to uh, to be tied to expectation of return. May all beings be well and happy. May all beings live in peace. I don't expect anything from that other than the, the well-being of, of doing it, of saying it, of thinking it. But physical, tangible, substantial, material, space-time, doing service to other, uh, many times is associated with um, seeking something. Why? Because uh, I think that there's something insufficient or inadequate here. I need your return. I need the return. Why? Because I consider myself um, uh, inadequate without return, or um, I need your love something like that. So I think. 
balance this by learning to accept the gifts of love and acceptance of others, which she feels discomfort accepting. Well, that also means accept the love and giving from others. So <laughs> not only did she spend herself to, to empty or give herself to exhaustion and weariness, but she had a hard time uh, accepting the gifts of love and acceptance from others. Discomfort and accepting. Why? So there's a, another issue there. Anyway, these two balancings, uh, balanced workings or balancing workings, um, workings of balancing. To be able to learn to radiate love and acceptance, not simply demonstrate physically, to offer such without expectation of return, and then to be, to make peace with letting people give to her and give to me and take. Nothing wrong with taking. The self is not less important than the other self. <laughs> 60.9, the last one we'll do for today. Is the fact that the instrument already was consciously aware of this, the reason that the first distortion was not in force in making it impossible for you to communicate this... Wow, tangled. <laughs> is the fact that the instrument already was consciously aware of this, meaning um, the deep teaching of 60.8? I mean, Ra basically just spilled the beans. I mean, gave the whole metaphysical background to her programming for bodily, you know, genetic predisposition limitations and um, the cause of all these troubles in some way. Uh, Don's wondering, was that because she was consciously aware of it that the first distortion was not in force, meaning the law of free will? It wasn't that it wasn't enforced, it was that it was not being infringed. In making it impossible for you, it really means it was not in force making it possible for you to communicate this to us. Sounds like there was a lot of trouble going on at this time. Even the sentences are very a little tangled for me to hear or read. This, right anyway, Ra explains this is not only correct for this entity, which has been, which it's, which has, meaning Carla, has been consciously aware of these learned teachings for some of your years, but also true of each of the support group. The possibility of some of this information being offered was not there until this session. So, um, it's not that the f law of free will is not in force, it's that the law of free will is not being inf infringed or violated because uh, for Carla and the group, she for many years and they had been consciously, consciously aware, not unconsciously aware. <laughs> unconsciously aware is, is uh, normal. That's the default position of condition of, of unconscious. The question is, uh, are we making the unconscious conscious? Anyway, she was consciously aware they were uh, of the learning teaching of, of these principles, of the basis, for years and the group, uh, but some of it was not possible to be revealed or spoken by Ra until the session. And and that's the case, you know, uh, to the one who has much, much shall be given. Um, God helps those who help themselves. Uh, you've got to work your way to the teacher. Then the teacher will offer uh, all that you are all that you've all that you are self qualified to receive. M many are called, but few are chosen. <laughs> the call goes out to many, but few are chosen by self qualification, by um, will to seek the light, which means to come to knowing and understanding and balance love wisdom. Anyway, <laughs> long, long, long. Uh, next time we're going to pick up at 60.10, and I need a rest. <laughs> we get back into pyramids.
uh, again. I am getting tired of it, but uh, I fulfill my honor duty. And um, slowly we get into some other uh, esoterica, but some nice question, nice uh, discussion about harvest actually, and the conditions on Earth now, and um, some some good stuff actually later in this session about meditation. So thank you so much for being here tonight. I appreciate it. Thank you, Carla and Don and Jim. See you all next time, and good night.